Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Lee Sloan. This series is called Spheres, and um, it was really on Pastor Lee's heart. To the, the whole series was, and we, you know, shaped it as a team. But it, it, this is a really great series about maximizing your influence. And through the Book of Daniel, just looking at his life story and the life story of guys around him, and just seeing how how we can be effective in all the spheres of that God has given us influence. Amen. It was a really great message. The first one, I'm sure it'll be even better, this one. You guys ready? All right, let's welcome Pastor Lee Sloan. Thank you. You guys are so sweet. I just, man, worship was awesome. Oh, my gosh. Um, I feel like he just was talking to me about you guys and how proud he is of you as a church. I just, I just feel like you just needed to hear that and you need to take that in. And he's saying that I could do a lot of things by myself, but I don't want to. I want to do it with you. And so that's this invitation we have to, to extend our influence on the earth. He doesn't want to do it alone because he could and he's not. Okay? So he's depending on us. And, um, and so that's why I'm really excited to share this message. It was so great having Kevin Zadai last week. Man, like, it's a hard act to follow. I mean, somebody who came back from the dead and talked to Jesus and all that stuff. But some of the things that really I, I took away from that, I took so much away, but, but the one thing was about significance and how Jesus sees us as significant individuals and human beings. And when he called Kevin, he didn't say Pastor Kevin or Prophet Kevin. He said Kevin. Kevin, the flight attendant was significant in his eyes. And I just feel like there's something that we need to take away as individuals, each one of you, especially if you don't feel significant to him. That's his word for you today. You're significant in his eyes. And so in this Spheres series, which is really hard to say, Spheres series, we are going to talk about a few different things. I just want to give you a little highlight of each one. Today we're going to talk about divine positioning. You want to get set up in the right position for him to use you. The second thing we're going to talk about is revelation and and a lifestyle of revelation that Daniel exhibited in his life. Then we have promotion, how to get ready for promotion, how to deal with promotion when it comes because it's not always super fun. And also, on the flip side of that, opposition. Then what do we do when opposition comes? Because both of those things are going to come into our lives. And then also how we can steward our influence with God. So you're looking forward to the series? It's going to be really fun. Okay, so I don't know if you guys were here last time I talked about the seven spheres of influence. Who was here for that? Okay, a handful of you. If you didn't get that message, I would recommend that you go back and get it just because it really sets a framework for what we're talking about here. And I'll just really quick go over those seven spheres that I talked about in that message. And those are family, government, arts and entertainment, education, media, religion, or business. And those are the ways that we influence our society today. Those are really key areas. And so it's, we need to be reminded of the fact that no matter what sphere we're in, sometimes we place other spheres above, you know, like the church, the religion sphere. We think, oh, that's the main one. That's the one God cares about. But God cares about every single one. And some of us have unknowingly put roadblocks in our way to our own influence. We've been sabotaging our own influence. And one of those really simple ways we do that is to underestimate the influence that God has already given us. 
because God has given you a measure of influence. And either we are thinking that it's not there or we're underestimating it. And then when we underestimate it, we don't use it and utilize it and grow it. So we say things like, I'm just a teacher or I'm just a mom or whatever it is, we are just. You have a space that you're influencing that other people can't. And you have people that you're in contact with that other people aren't. And that's an important thing. And so the enemy wants to keep this veil over our heads to think that we are just, okay? And, and the other thing is that we have to come to terms with the fact that you and I are called to disciple nations. Not just one of us, not just your neighbor is called to disciple nations. You are. And I don't know about you, but if I'm called to disciple nations, I'm going to have to grow in my influence, I mean, I'm going to need a lot more influence if I'm going to start discipling nations. And, um, and so that, that just lets us know that God cares about growing our influence. Now, there are different ways that he can grow that influence. And, one is, and it's deep and it's wide, okay? So some of us might be, you know, like when I was a stay-at-home mom, nine, the first nine years of my kids' lives, I didn't get a lot of contact with the outside world. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> And what, but what I was doing was I was growing my influence deep, deep into those kids. There are things that those kids are going to take away from my time with them that they might not even understand or fully comprehend, but they have in them because I went deep with them. And there are people, you know, you might feel like you're suffocating in this space, but you're going deep. And then there's times and spaces where you start to go wide. And, you know, it was that, like that me for, with me for Abbott Loop when I first came here. And now all of a sudden I'm talking to people. I don't know your stories, but I'm getting to touch your lives. I'm getting to extend my influence wider. You never know when God's going to call you to go deep or to go wide. But either way, he's wanting to grow your influence, all right? So don't judge your influence by another person's, okay? So... God has you where you are doing what you're doing for a specific purpose and a specific reason. And I know you know that in your head, but maybe you don't know it here. And so you have doors of influence all around you. They're everywhere. But God needs to give you eyes to see them because if we don't see them, then we're just going to walk right on by them, won't we? And some of you might be banging your head against the door of influence that you have because you think it's an obstacle. But really, God just needs to give you the key or the ability to open that door and walk right through it. So that's what this series is about. I just want to pray over you real quick. God, I ask you right now during this message to reveal those doors of influence that you have placed in each one of our lives, Lord. Stir that thing up. Give us courage to seek you and how to open those doors. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I go through the Bible... You know, I'd be hard-pressed to find a better biblical example of how to influence in difficult times than Daniel and his three friends. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, those are their names, otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I, we did this thing in my old school. I had a Christian school. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego lived in Judah a long time ago. It was, I remember all songs, all lyrics to all songs. Anyway. And I had this amazing artist do a rendition of them. I want to show you this here. Don't you love these guys? Don't ask me why one of them has no clothes and two of them have skirts. But I liked him. And so I wanted to be vulnerable and share that with you. That was, for, I did that. Yes, thank you. 
It wasn't Joni. I could have had Joni do it, but no. <laughs> um, and so today I'm going to talk about three keys to cooperate with God in his divine influence in your life or his divine positioning for you. And so I talked about influence as something that we steward, right? So if it's something that we steward, it's something that we can either grow and cultivate or we can squander, okay? So if you just ignore it, guess what you're probably doing? Squandering it, okay? Now, some of you might be in a position of where you're holding your position, right? You're in the same place. And some of you might be transitioning to a new position. Maybe some of you are holding and you want to transition or you're transitioning and you want to hold. But either way, the key to cooperating with God is is that he opens those opportunities for your new position or your current position, okay? But we position our hearts before him. So it's your job to position your heart, and it's our God's job to position our opportunities, okay? Now, I realize that today in, in our day and age, we all have lots of different political feelings and opinions. And it's heightened right now, isn't it? Wouldn't you say political emotions are pretty strong across the board? And fear is pretty strong across the board? And division, things like that? But I think looking into the life of Daniel is really going to encourage us in 2017. I really believe that. I'm going to go back and give you some some background to really think through what happened to them. These four young men were from a royal family, from the tribe of Judah, who was in the line of King David. And some have even suggested that Daniel may have even been in line to be the next king. But that didn't happen. The, a pagan king came, named Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon invaded and took these guys as prisoners. And some even think that these men might have been castrated. I don't know, but I can tell you it was not good. <laughs> I can tell you, no matter how bad you think your job is, thank God you haven't been, you know, swept up into the service of a foreign dictator. Have you? Any of you in here? Okay, we're all good there. We're all doing better than Daniel. Um, they were put into Babylonian schools for, for three years, and they were essentially ba- brainwashed to be servants of pagan gods. They were given food that violated their laws and their customs, And they changed their names to to being named after pagan gods. This was a tough time to be a good Jewish boy, wouldn't you say? A tough time. And Nebuchadnezzar knew what he was doing. How do you demoralize and strip a nation of its identity and then take the best of what they have for yourself? You take their most talented, their most handsome, their strongest young men, and you put them in your royal court. Because see, what he's doing there is making kings serve him so that he's the king of kings, right? And so the other thing he had was the advantage of their culture and their learning and their training. So he knew he would have access to all of that training and understanding of the Jewish people that he had his thumb on. Isn't this smart of him? (laughs) Now, imagine what it would feel like now if a foreign dictator came in and took you into his service for his own purposes and his own reasons and to puff himself up. How would you feel about that? Not awesome. (laughs) It just just helps us to step back and and think about what they really, really did. We've We've had this phrase, 
rolling around in Christian circles for a long time. It's a great phrase, in the world, but not of the world. You've heard this? And it's the goal and the challenge of every believer to live in the world, but not become of the part of the world system, okay? So um, I created this Venn diagram, which we love Venn diagrams, Josh and I. And, uh, <laughs> and we can err in one of two extremes when we talk about being in the world and of the world. And if we err on either of these extremes, we lose our influence, okay? So the, f- the first thing, the first extreme is when we emphasize not being of the world, we separate ourselves out from the world and we say, okay, I want to be separate, I want to be separate, I want to be separate. And pretty soon, we're not in the world at all. We're not influencing at all. Because we're so afraid of being contaminated that we no longer have influence, okay? So I call this undefiled but ineffective. Undefiled but ineffective. How many of you felt kind of being pulled that way a little bit? If you're honest with yourself, a little bit. Okay. On the other extreme, we have, we emphasize being in the world. We want to be relevant to everyone, right? And so that's a great thing, but pretty soon we compromise and we compromise and we sacrifice our principles in the name of relevance. And suddenly, we're, we're just an exact copy of what the world churns out. And we look at ourselves and we go, we're no different. And suddenly God's hand of blessing lifts and we're no different from the world. So therefore, we're still not influencing it, right? So where we want to be is that sweet spot, right there where those circles interlap, overlap. That's our position of true influence. And it's not easy to walk that line. So... It just occurred to me as I was studying for this message that Jesus called us to be both salt and light. Think about it. Where does salt come from? It comes from the earth, right? Salt complements the earth. Salt draws people in. It's attractive, right? It's over here on this side. And light comes from above. Light distinguishes us from darkness. Light exposes things. So that's kind of on the other side, right? But Jesus said, We're called to be both salt and light. Such a cool thing. The Apostle Paul talks about this, and I'm just going to bring out two scriptures, how he illustrates either side of this. Romans 12, 2, we know this really well. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's emphasizing, be set apart. Don't be like everyone else. Okay, and then on the other side of the coin, 1 Corinthians 9.22, he says this, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. It sounds like he's talking out two sides of his mouth, doesn't it? But he's walking this line. Do you see that? And so it's with this framework that I want to bring you to our keys for divine positioning. The first key that Daniel and his friends did was this. Live your convictions. Hold a personal standard. It's not really popular to talk about right now, (laughs) holding a personal standard. But what it it does is it pushes on this side of the continuum, living your convictions. Can you imagine the effort it must have taken for Daniel and his friends to keep their minds renewed during this whole time of pagan indoctrination? And, And how they must have had to compromise in some ways, but but they held true to what they knew was true, right? And 
I find it really interesting that there was only one thing that the scripture points out to us, one area that, that they said, we will not cross this line. And I want to look at this. It says Daniel 1 verse 8 says this, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He resolved in his heart before God, before he told anyone about it. And when he rose up, something happened. He set a standard for himself. And he knew he was a slave, and he couldn't demand that standard. But he decided he was going to go after it, and God was going to be with him. And so it's really important to understand our convictions. Um, Now, this is different from when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. There's a whole list of things in the Bible we shouldn't do, and that's black and white. We know those things, right? But then there's another layer, what we call conviction, like as a noun, conviction, is is something that maybe is not true for all people at all times, but it's true for us right now. You know, an example of this would be, um, you know, the Bible never says we should never drink alcohol, right? But maybe for you, that's an area that's just a little tricky for you, or maybe it's been in your family line, and you're just saying, before God, it's just not okay for me to do this. I'm just going to set a different, higher personal standard, okay? And so it's really important to do this at times, and this is what Daniel does. And I love what Lisa Bevere said. She said it's, it's so important that we live our convictions. We don't preach our convictions. We preach God's word, but we live our convictions. That's, where, that's the power of the conviction. And so have you ever done that? Have you ever drawn a line in the sand and said, this is where I'm going to be? Everybody else might be here, but this is where I'm going to live. Or are you just looking for just bare, bare minimums, you know? Like, oh, the Bible says not to do that. Okay, I'm just going to come up to the line, you know? Instead, when you set a personal standard, it, it's going to increase your influence like it did for Daniel. I love how he goes about it. He doesn't demand. He doesn't go on Facebook and tell everyone how this meal plan he has is so much better than everyone else's and so superior. <laughs> And he doesn't condemn everybody around him who's not doing it. I don't even think he told his friends that he, they should do it. They just climbed on board. They were like, I want to be a part of this. And his leadership started to rise up. And he simply asked for permission to live by the standard. Can you imagine how much better it would be if we all just did that? Just, and how much influence we would have with other people if we just lived by our convictions rather than shoving them down people's throats. <laughs> okay. If he, if he would have whined like we do in our culture, I think he would have lost all the influence he had and his head along with it, probably. But in any case, he, he goes to the, the chief official who he already has favor with. The chief official, official is like, man, Daniel, I want to let you do what you want to do, but Nebuchadnezzar is going to have my head if you don't look amazing and, and fully you know, strong and with the meat that we eat and everything. And so Daniel's just a great negotiator, and he's just like, hey, let me try this for 10 days. This is on me. This is on God. For 10 days, I'm going to try this. If it doesn't work, I'm going to go back to your plan. And he does, and of course, God comes through for them, and they look better and stronger than anybody else. God sets them apart. So the end result is when you follow your convictions for your life, favor and blessings flow. So what convictions are, do we, is the Lord bringing into our lives that we've been ignoring? And we've just been 
putting them by the wayside. I think we forget that the conviction is actually going to unlock the door to our influence. That when we set that standard before the Lord, he sees it as a holy thing. Um, I had a friend, and she said that for health reasons, she wasn't able to drink any wine. And she was just really bummed about it. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And, and, but I said, well, what about this? Here's an idea. Why don't you just treat it like it's a sacrifice to the Lord? Instead of like, I have to for health, health reasons, why don't you just commit that thing, that sacrifice that you have to make anyway, just commit it to the Lord. Make it a holy sacrifice. And it just changed her whole perspective on how she viewed that thing. And, and she got credit for it, you know, in, in the Lord's sight. He sees that, and he can use that. So it's a holy thing when we live by our convictions. God always honors them. Key number two for divine positioning is pursue excellence at whatever you do. Man, chapter 6, verse 3 said that um, in different translations, it said that Daniel had an excellent spirit. And some translations say, an extraordinary spirit. Daniel and his friends were outstanding in every way. Do you realize that God has designed you to be outstanding? Outstanding. I I don't know if you believe it, so I'm going to say, repeat after me. God has made me to be outstanding. Outstanding is not hard to define. It means to stand out. (laughs) Apart from the crowd. He is not a God of mediocrity. Don't you just feel like in the church we just get so comfortable with mediocrity? I mean, oh man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we had a code word for that in Missouri. um, For mediocrity when people, you know, some some, uh, soul would get up there and sing a song. And it was just not, you know, the best thing you've ever heard. And we would just say, oh, bless her heart. You guys know from the South, you know, what, what that means, bless her heart. Okay, well, we do, we do bless people's hearts, okay? We don't earn God's love by being great at something, but we earn something else. In the world, it's performance actually matters, okay? We live in a world where performance matters. It's a reality. And so when we, have, when we cultivate great skill and excellence at what we do, we gain influence with the world. We think, why would God care about that? He just loves me. Yes, he does. But we can grow in excellence by partnering with him, and he's excited to do it. Who is more excellent than our God? Shouldn't we be the most excellent? When we work, excellent. <laughs> when we work hard with our talents, the little bit that he did give us, he can make it exponentially greater. You don't even know how great unless you try it. But some of us haven't even had the faith to even think to pray this way. Like, God, increase my excellence. You know, when Kevin came, he said he he supernaturally got downloaded how to play instruments. I mean, God can do that. God can increase. And even something you, you have on your heart and you don't even think you can do it, you've never tried it, you're horrible at it, he can change that. We don't earn God's love with excellence, but we earn it the place a place at the table of the world with excellence. That's what we earn. It's the most humble thing you could do is to serve the world with excellence. It's not just to puff you up, but it's to earn that influence. 
Proverbs 29, or 22, 29 says, Do you see a person skilled in his work? He will take his position before kings. He will not take his position before obscure people. For some of you, that's a promise that you're grabbing onto right now. And you know what? It doesn't matter your formal position or your title at all. Think about it. Daniel had no title. He was a slave. Okay? But when we believe, we start getting it into our head that God wants us to be excellent, it begins to erase every, every excuse that we have for laziness and for mediocrity. I, I teach this in the 103 class. Did you know it takes 10,000 hours to be considered expert level at almost anything you choose? 10,000 hours of investment of your time and your hard work. That's proven. God doesn't really ask us to be better than anyone else at something. That's not what he's requiring you to do. But he asks you to be the best version of you, and you just never know what he's going to do with that. This is the good, the pleasing, and acceptable sacrifice we give to him. When you do that, you're, some of you are going to be really surprised at how high you can fly. In, with Daniel and those guys, they just flew 10 times higher than everyone else. That's what the scripture says, 10 times more skilled in every area. They were superior. Now, how many of you know Jake, my husband? Um, my father and my husband are actually very much alike. I'm one of those girls who pretty much married my dad in a different form. <laughs> and I don't regret it at all. Jake's not here to defend himself. But, and and my, my husband actually sort of fell in love with my dad um, before he fell in love with me. <laughs> He actually moved states just to learn from my dad, just to learn about music and all that. And, and man, I remember my dad saying, Jake handed him something. He's like, oh, that's the way I would have handed it to me. He was just so amazed. <laughs> and <laughs> so they both have this really strong desire for excellence. And um, they both worked for the same music show at different times in stages in life, and so I got a lot of that same music show. I would go and listen to it over and over and over. Um, but but they, they did sound and lighting for that show. And my dad had such a commitment to excellence. He would always say, I don't care if there are 50 people in the audience or five or 5,000. I am going to bring the same level of excellence every single time because for me it's a character issue that I do that's just who I am. It's not because of anybody around me. It's just who I am. And so, you know, being a sound engineer, let's give a hand to our sound engineers, by the way. <laughs> they, don't, they don't get a lot of recognition. If they are getting recognition, they're probably not doing something right. So the goal of a sound person is to not get recognition. Um, and, they, and sometimes they are even outright attacked. I know my dad, um, he, he, did, he was in the industry for 30 years, and he... He was doing sound, and he would have the popcorn girls, the ones who made popcorn, come and tell him how to do his job, you know, things like that. And then um, Jake had a really extreme experience where there was a drunk musician on stage. Uh, and not only that, but he couldn't make him sound undrunk, you know. I mean, it's pretty much impossible to do. So, so the guy comes. He's so mad at Jake that he comes and comes out into the audience right over by the soundboard and starts threatening him within an inch of his life and they have to get people to come and take him away <laughs> so it's not easy to to walk that road and be a sound engineer um 
But the thing was, any time that my dad or Jake got around people who um, who knew what they were doing, you know, or been in the business for a long time, they would be honored and esteemed by those people because they could see excellence in them. And so excellence goes a long way with key influencers. Even if, you, you know, people are throwing rotten tomatoes at you right and left, those key influencers are going to sit up and take notice. And Jake, when he was running a studio business out of our home, we had a lot of unbelievers come by. Clearly unbelieving people come in. And um, thankfully we had, you know, some good sound barriers so our kids didn't hear all the stuff going on. Uh, foul mouth a lot of times. Sometimes they would pay Jake above and beyond what they were supposed to pay him because he did such an amazing job. And other times, I remember this one musician said, man, you know, and, you know, Jake's just quietly living his convictions, and he's just uh, bringing a level of excellence. And she, and she just goes, I think I want to change the direction of my music. I don't think it's positive enough. I think I need to, you know, it's that, that kind of thing happens when you're just living your life as a believer. And so what brings us to our next key is love your spheres. Love the people that you have around you, no matter how hard it is to do. I can guarantee you it was hard for Daniel to love Nebuchadnezzar. Um, can you imagine how, how difficult this would be? This nation comes in by force, takes you, takes all of your talent, you know, for their use and for their, to puff themselves up. And, and he loves his king, and he has his best interests of this nation of Babylon in his mind. He wants this team to succeed because he's on it. Isn't that incredible? A lot of times we think that if we love people, we have to condone everything that they do. Like if, we're, if we say we're on their side, then it means, you know, we're contaminated again, you know? But, but it's just not true. We can stand with people on their team. We can love them. And when, it's when we hold back our love that we start losing our influence. And so if you want to influence people, hang on to your love for them all the way, even when they're making you bow down and worship them like Nebuchadnezzar. None of that is happening to you, I hope. But um, I want to tell you a story that uh, Pastor Sean Boltz told. Um, he's, a, he's a prophet and pastor in California. And he had this child actor friend that he knew. And this, this family of this child actor had made huge sacrifices for him to be a part of this, this industry. They moved him all the way to L.A. and got him involved. And he had a super big audition coming up. And in this audition, he would always run into the same kid who was like his competition, so to speak. And he's like, oh, no, there he is. And, and um, he's a Christian kid, of course. And, and this kid, the other kid, is feeling sick. And so he's like, man, I really have it on my heart to pray for this kid. And he tells his mom about it. His mom's like, okay, before you do that, that's great, son, that you have this opportunity to pray. But I just want to warn you of a few things that could happen. First of all, you could go to this kid, and maybe he won't like that you're coming to pray for him. Maybe he won't want religion in it, and maybe the producers won't like it, and your audition could be suffering from it. Or, on the other hand, he could do, you could pray for him, and, and something could go really right, and then he could get the part. And this is, like, a really important part. And you might not get it. So I just want you to be prepared for that as you're going in to pray for him. He's like, all right. I just still really feel like I want to do this. So he goes in, and he prays for this kid, and it goes really well. And the kid feels really great, goes into that audition. They both go in. Who do you think gets the part? 
the kid he prayed for. And I think even he didn't even get to audition. He's like, they're like, oh, we're done. <laughs> they closed the audition because the guy did so great. And the response of that kid was, I'm not just here to get parts. I'm here to influence people. Can you imagine if we could embrace that heart of love for people and why we're here is to influence people? So it, was, it became not an us and them thing. You know, Daniel, of anyone, could have seen Nebuchadnezzar as a them, couldn't he? Easily it was a them. But he, he spoke to him like it was an us, right? He spoke to the chief official like it was an us. I care about your best interests in mind. And when we do that, when we get rid of the us and them mentality, we unlock new things, don't we? So Daniel started as a slave with absolutely no title, no formal position. So that kind of throws our excuses out the window, doesn't it? Um, he, all he did was he lived his convictions, he served with excellence, and he loved well. And think about it. He had royal blood. He was a king, right? Even though he never sat on the throne of Babylon, who do you think had more influence in the nation of Babylon? I mean, think about it. King Nebuchadnezzar went stark raving mad one time. Who was slowly influencing behind the scenes and quietly influencing? Daniel. And after that king died and another king took his place, who was still influencing? Daniel. And, you know, he had so many ups and downs. He was promoted, and then he was thrown in the lion's den, and then he was promoted again. I mean, it was crazy, right? But God had placed him there for such a time as that. And when God places you there, no one can take your influence away. He was, he was able to shepherd the nation, whatever nation that he was a part of. He was discipling nations before Jesus ever commanded, go and make disciples of nations. So incredible. Now we think, okay, well, that's Daniel. What about me? <laughs> But we and Daniel and, our, and those three friends, we have a lot more in common than we think. Because like them, we too have royal blood. If you are in the line of Jesus Christ, you have royal blood. You are meant to rule and you are meant to reign. And you are strategically positioned where you are right now to disciple your nation, your sphere. Whether it's your workplace, your home, your people group, whoever it is. Even if you're treated unfairly and you're stripped of all of your natural rights, which we're so used to as Americans, you can still have influence. You can reign by taking the position like Jesus did of a servant. And so, God, we just ask that you would open our hearts this morning to consider the influence that you might want us to have, to partner with you, God. God, we, we just repent of of false humility, God, of not stepping up to the plate when you said, I want to do this with you. I want to do this with you, but you're not cooperating. You're, you're thinking that it's just for me to do. Lord God, we repent of that, and we want to step in the game, Lord. We want to take our influence seriously. We want you to show us those places that we need to unlock, that we need to open, God. First, we ask that you would give us the power to live by our convictions, God. 
God, those, those things that are scary that you're calling us to that we think, oh, that's just another rule. But God, you're placing it there to promote us, Lord Jesus. So God, we embrace those convictions. We ask that you would show them to us when the time is right. And then we ask that you would enable us and give us a new understanding of what excellence means. The excellence is not perfection. The excellence is not comparing ourselves to other people, but it's doing the best we have with what you've given us, God, and doing nothing less than our best every single time. God, we ask for an upgrade in skills. Those desires you've had since maybe you were a kid, and you're just saying, God, give me some of that. Give me some skill in that area, Lord. I promise that I'm gonna partner with you. I'm gonna do my part. God, do your part in growing me. Not for my own glory and my own um, puffing myself up, Lord, but for your glory and for your kingdom to come and for your influence to be extended to more and more people, Lord. And lastly, God, we just pray for a supernatural love for each person in our sphere. God, the businesses that you've placed people in, Lord, we ask that those businesses would thrive just because we're there. The schools, the homes, Lord. God, we ask for increase. And those difficult people, Lord, that we're rubbing up against, that we think we're banging our head against the wall of that door, Lord, give us the key to open that door because you've placed them in our lives for a reason. God, we love you, and we're so privileged to partner with you. We ask that you would take this church forward as a church, as a corporate body, Lord. Take us forward in our influence in this city, in this state, and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.